Hey there, you are back for some more Adrenaline. This is very good. My name is Neil Helligers, and I am your host. And before we get to the second episode of Memory Lane, I, I just want to point out, this is our, our third outing together, of course, and, uh, you know, it may seem sometimes like these stories are these crazy, out-there fantasies and machinations, but, I, I mean, really, another way to think about it is that episode one of Memory Lane kind of implanted in your brain the memory of Cassie implanting her memories into her daughter Alex and that terrifying vision, so uh, you're welcome for that, and you're welcome to this word from our sponsor. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And we're back, and while I have you strapped in, I just wanted to mention that Memory Lane comes with some really excellent credentials. One of our writers, Sarah Shepard, is also the mind behind Pretty Little Liars. And in a weird cosmic coincidence, uh, my wife, who works in publishing, uh, worked with Sarah and the company to bring you Pretty Little Liars, and that is a 100% accurate memory. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Anyway, I'm your host, Neil Helligers, and this is Memory Lane, Episode 2. This is Dr. Remy Novik, performing a post-procedure interview with patient 6582, who has just begun phase two in conjunction with subject 6424. Alex, are you there? Yes. Hi. I'm here. Could you state where you've been since you left the facility two days ago? Well, at first we headed home to rest, but now we've set off on our trip. Right now, we're north of the city. At a rest stop. Fueling up. Great. And how are you feeling? A little weird, to be honest. Okay. Are you noticing any of the side effects we highlighted in our last interview? Oh, no. No. Nothing like that. I didn't mean to scare you. Sorry. <laughs> There's nothing to be sorry for. Why are you apologizing? Bad habit. So, I mean... The weirdness. I just meant emotionally. I don't understand what to expect, you know? Going on this road trip is supposed to awaken Cassie's old memories in me, but I don't know what they'll be. What I'll see. 
That's scary. It's completely normal to feel that way. I take it you haven't experienced any implanted memories at this time? No. Well, no. You sure? Well, there was... Right when you first put me under, I thought I saw flashes of something. Dark woods. And then a... a body, maybe, lying on a table? It was pretty creepy. I'm still having visions of it, to be honest. While you were still in the office? That would have been much too early for the cerebral response. More likely those were REM cycle dreams activated while you were under the anesthesia. Oh. Okay. Well, good. I was starting to worry the rest of Cassie's memories would be... frightening. (laughs) In her initial assessment interview, your mother indicated that she wanted to pass down memories of one of the happiest periods in her life. Is there any particular reason you assume these would be negative memories? Well, Cassie has a tendency to exaggerate. Everything's either the best or the worst. Half the time when we eat out, it's the best meal she's ever had in her entire life. Like, every meal can't be the best, you know? That must be frustrating. Sure. I guess I want her to be more realistic. Stop idealizing or catastrophizing. And you think you are more realistic? Well, yeah. But, uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Novick, is this relevant? You tell me. Well, it's just... I thought these check-ins were just so you could make sure we don't have any side effects. This is starting to feel more like therapy. I need to gauge your emotional state. Receiving memories like this can be a, a powerful, moving experience. It may also trigger intense and unpredictable emotions. Lucky I'm used to repressing all those pesky feelings then. Joking. Really, I'm fine. Looking forward to... Well, whatever this is. Alright. But if you ever do feel out of your depth, don't hesitate to contact me. And please, pay attention to each of the sites your mother brings you to. The closer you can get to her mental state back then, the more accurate your experience of her memories will be once they begin to surface. Easier said than done, Doctor. I'll try. Realm presents Memory Lane Season 1, Episode 2. Muir Beach, California. June 14. It's raining so hard I can barely see Cassie, even though she's only a few feet ahead of me on the beach. This is our first stop of the day, retracing the exact trip she took up the PCH 21 years ago. We even rented an old Volkswagen bus like the one she hitched a ride in all those years before. The road trip is supposed to jog the new memories in my brain. Visiting these same locations, breathing the same air, feeling the same dirt under my soles, all of it should start to draw the memories out. But I still can't wrap my head around it. My mother's thoughts, emotions, experiences, the history I've wanted for so long. If I'm to believe the procedure worked, it's all inside my head now. Soon the memories should start to surface, to give me the answers I've been craving. Assuming this entire experiment isn't bogus to begin with. 
I square my shoulders and surge forward over the clumpy wet sand toward Cassie. She refused to use an umbrella in the middle of this deluge. Unprepared to a fault. That's my mother. Are you sure you don't want to share mine? I tilt my umbrella toward Cassie. She's starting to shiver, but shakes her head adamantly. You shouldn't be using one either. We didn't use umbrellas last time. So it was raining this hard back then? The same day you were here? I don't know if Cassie is just being contrary and obstinate, or if this is actually part of an important memory. Then again, Dr. Novick told me I need to listen to her. Do whatever she does to embrace the memories she's trying to pass to me. I just didn't realize it would mean getting waterlogged. <sighs> Whatever. I snap my umbrella closed. Immediately, rain soaks through the shoulders of my shirt and dampens my hair. Okay. Now what? Cassie grins mischievously. We go in, of course. The sea looks almost as angry as the storm clouds. The waves are bigger than I'm used to. This study definitely won't work if we both die of hypothermia. But Cassie doesn't hear me. She's already sprinting toward the water. I look down at my clothes, considering stripping them off. But what's the point? They're already soaked. Up ahead, Cassie dives headlong into the choppy surf. I take a slower approach, wading in up to my knees and waiting for her to resurface. Almost immediately, I lose feeling in my toes. Cassie pops up from the dark water, brushing blonde hair from her eyes. It's not that bad once you're all the way under. I'll take your word for it. Even from here, I can see the goosebumps all over her arms, and her lips are darkening to a bluish purple. Most people would climb out of the water now, but Cassie's always been stubborn. That much we have in common. She surges through the water toward me, a sly grin on her face. Before I can react, she grabs my wrist. It only takes one sharp tug to send me toppling over, into the deeper water beside her. The water's so cold that my eyes fly open. The seawater stings. I scramble to catch my balance. My body feels numb from the waist down, and I taste salt on my tongue. <sighs> you jerk! I say as I splash her. She snickers and wades back to shore. By the time I make it back to the van, Cassie's inside and changed into dry clothes. She holds out dry stuff for me, too. I begrudgingly take the clothes without a thank you. Well? She asks as I clamber in after her, taking my place in the driver's seat. I prefer to be the driver. It's the easiest way to stay in control. Did that jog any memories? Nothing except that you're not to be trusted near large bodies of water. I tug my shirt on. What I really need is a towel. My skin is cold to the touch. The chill has settled into my bones. Cassie's expression has gone uncharacteristically somber, and she's staring out at the gray, driving sea. Well, it's only the beginning. I'm sure you'll see something soon. I shrug and start the car. Suddenly, the rush of images I saw before the procedure sent me under assaults my brain once more. Water closing over my head as I gasped for breath. A body under a sheet, 
an urgent voice telling me, None of this is real. Should I believe Dr. Novick that it was just a meaningless dream? It didn't feel like a dream. I unconsciously slipped my hand into my shorts pocket to where my stim would be. Belatedly, I remember I put it in my purse before our beach walk. Damn, I want to get it, but I'm already driving. It's okay. You're okay. There's nothing to fear. I want answers about my mother's past, yes, but I can't help worrying that I won't like what I find. After all, it's not like I don't have ghosts of my own. I shake my head. I shouldn't be thinking about Colin. Not right now. But it's hard not to. Alex? Sorry. I was just... I rub at my arms. I think the cold water numbed my brain. Then let's get you warmed up. She cranks the heat. I swear I can feel the steam rising from my clothes, the scent of the ocean overwhelming. As we turn out of the parking lot, Cassie side-eyes me and clears her throat. <clears throat> so, I heard you had your first phone check-in. Remy's nice, isn't he? I raise an eyebrow. Remy? Dr. Novick. Cassie's cheeks turn pink. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, God. I knew it. Please don't tell me you've been flirting with the doctor. He is pretty handsome. I haven't noticed. I shoot her a stern look. Since it would be a violation of his Hippocratic Oath to hook up with you. As long as you terminate your physician-patient relationship before you start dating, it's totally fine. Cassie's eyes dance with amusement. You would know that. But when I glance over again, her grin is infectious. Okay, where to next? I was hoping we just let the wind carry us, like a real road trip. That's the way it worked last time, too. But we're supposed to recreate your trip as faithfully as possible. That means being in all the same places at the right times. And should I just go with the flow? That's certainly more of Cassie's style, after all. I'm all about sticking to a schedule. Staying on task. And I still can't shake the suspicion that, even though this is Cassie's idea, she could abandon it entirely. And it would have all been for naught. I feel her staring at me again. What? Just... Thank you. I blink. For what? For agreeing to do this. I wasn't sure if you would or not. She twists her hands in her lap. I know you must have a lot going on with all the job applications. It's fine. But honestly, just the mention of it sends a spike of anxiety through me. My overachiever side wants to be back at home scouring every job listing I can get my hands on. I pull over on the berm and fish my stim out of my purse, then thumb in my sequence. Almost at once, my shoulders relax, the rush flooding my system like a deep breath of pure oxygen. I stare at it, then Cassie. I want to be here. Really. Good. She slaps the dashboard. Take the highway. I have a plan after all. <laughs> Thank God. I start the engine. 
have to admit, I do feel pretty cool driving this vintage VW bus, blasting Cassie's old music over the retrofitted stereo system. I have a self-driving car back home. It's a requirement within the city limits. I rarely get the chance to shut off autopilot and steer myself. Now I feel transported back to another era. A simpler one. Maybe one without potential lawsuits hanging over my head. Ah, oh, an oldie but a goodie. Cassie leans over to turn up the volume on the radio. I like the sound of it just fine. But a few bars in, it only serves to remind me of Colin again. The Nirvana shirt he wore when we first met. How I pretended to be interested in some records he posted about selling online. But what did I know about this man besides his name and the fact that his number was scribbled into the back of one of my mom's sketchbooks? He looked older than his Facebook photo. Deflated somehow. Like a man sinking in on himself. I called his name and he startled. His eyes narrowed. He searched my face, in a way that made my heart skip a beat with hope. Do I, uh, know you? I hope so, I thought. I started to say I'd come about the records, and Colin brightened, saying he had them in a bag at his feet. But then I blurted out the truth. That's not the real reason I wanted to meet. Here goes nothing. I think you knew my mom. I ran a hand through my hair. Cassie Bryant? His eyes widened. Cassandra. And that's when I knew. He had information I needed. About my mother's past, maybe. About my father, even. I felt like I'd hit the jackpot. I just never expected everything to go so wrong. Alex, I said turn! I blink hard, preparing to jerk hard to the right to take an exit. But there's no exit. Just a roadside attraction. Johnson Miller Dairy Farm reads the billboard in peeling letters that look straight out of the 70s. Really? Here? Yes, I've been yelling at you for the last 10 seconds. The tires bump into the pitted, uneven parking lot, which is empty save for a single beat-up sedan parked in a staff-only space. The downpour has slowed to no more than a faint drizzle, and I spy hints of sunshine here and there throughout the cloud cover. This is it! <laughs> I can't believe it! The moment I shift into park, she scrambles out of the car. I hurry after her. You came to a dairy farm on your road trip? For some reason, this amuses me. You never told me you harbored a secret passion for farming. Or is it the milk? Ha ha. Cassie waves a hand over her shoulder. She looks far too enthralled by the sight of this dumpy attraction, which already smells like manure and hay, even all the way out here on the road, to argue with me. She drifts almost zombie-like to the entrance, where a dilapidated sign declares they offer tours for $2. What's she remembering? Whatever it is, Will it start going through my head soon, too? Inside, a bored-looking agent sells us tickets. The tour is self-guided. She slides a pair of headphones over the desk. Next milking's at five. I glance at my watch. That's hours from now. Surely Cassie won't make us stay that long. 
She leads me past the ticket desk and onto the sprawling property. There's a pig pen next to the entrance, and chicken coops farther along, all leading up to an enormous red farmhouse in the distance. We met the cutest couple of boys at the beach. They offered to show me and my friends around the farm. They worked here. Now I get why you came here. Of course it was because of a boy. What? I was enjoying myself. I'd just broken up with your father. I wanted to live a little. I pretend to pick a wet leaf off my shoulder so I don't have to meet her eye. Broken up? Why, exactly? But I should have known better than to outright ask about him. Cassie's open, happy expression slams shut at once. Doesn't matter. Let's keep going. Then she turns toward the barn, leaving me to jog after her. I shut my eyes. Avoidance. Again. I catch up to Cassie next to one of the chicken coops by the barn. She's staring through the cage at a cluster of the birds. One in particular catches my eye. It's got a huge tail of iridescent dark feathers, almost like a peacock but with a chicken's body. The sign next to it says, Phoenix Hen. You really don't remember anything yet? I bet she's irked because I asked about my father. Dr. Novick said it might take another day or two. I'm sorry. Before I can say anything else, the barn door opens and the dairy cows shuffle back and forth inside. My stomach tightens. The bars around each cow are so tight, barely any wider than the cows themselves. There's also a man wearing thigh-high muck boots. He catches me watching and raises a hand. Something about him. His thick gray hair, maybe, or the tight wrinkles around his eyes, reminds me of Colin, of the fact that it's a bit hypocritical of me to accuse Cassie of keeping secrets. I turn away from the barn. Tell me you didn't actually have a tumble in the hay here, please. It reeks. Cassie shakes her head. No, no, but this place looked so different back then. There were fewer animals, for one thing. And the cows were all roaming outside when I visited. There used to be a tire swing. Oh, look. She points at the ceiling just near the entrance, and I spot a length of old rope still dangling from a rafter. When we step back out from under the overhang, it's bright and sunny, as if the rain never happened. Cassie shades her eyes and stares across the rolling hills. Places change, I guess. For a moment, the back of my neck tingles, and I glance over my shoulder, expecting to see the farmhand again, the man who was watching us. But there's nobody there. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Wander with us into a world of magic. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with and reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. We'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. After the farm, we drive for what feels like forever. 
My back starts to cramp by the time Cassie tells me to turn off the highway. She spent the last hour trying to find a Mexican restaurant that I'm pretty sure has been closed for years. We settle for the next best thing. Another Mexican restaurant along the same stretch of highway. A blinking neon donkey in a sombrero watches us order at a stained countertop with a fully stocked bar behind it. Ooh, and a margarita. Cassie leans toward the bartender, a guy around my age, and winks. Make it the XL. Why not, right? We're on vacay. (laughs) Oh, God. I think. She's actually flirting with this kid. I give the waiter an apologetic smile. Just don't make me carry you back to the van. Mom? Mom? The guy does that fake double-take thing, and I can just feel his next words coming. I would have guessed you two were sisters. Cassie's smile doubles in wattage. Before long, the bartender returns with Cassie's hilariously oversized margarita glass balanced on a tray. For the young lady. He gives an elaborate wink. He works hard for his tips. I'll give him that. Cassie practically dives into the margarita, sucking half of it down before our food even arrives. I watch her, torn between amusement and annoyance. I thought we were supposed to be recreating everything faithfully. If you were pregnant, you weren't drinking back then, right? Cassie huffs around the straw. You're the one who has to recreate it, not me. Let me enjoy my vices in peace. After you made me swim in the freezing ocean? She ignores me. Ever since the farm, something about her seems jittery. The bartender slides our plates to us. A veggie burrito for me and fajitas for Cassie. We eat in silence for a few minutes, both of us clearly starving. So, who were you with? Hmm? On the trip. You said it was you and some friends? Cassie's already finished the marg. When the bartender glides by, she nods at him for another. I allow it. The drinks might loosen her tongue. Get her to tell me what I should expect from these memories. This trip. Maybe even my father. But I'm not sure all the cocktails in the world could draw that out of her. She dabs at the corner of her mouth with a napkin. You should be starting to remember that for yourself by now. Honestly, Alex, are you even trying? It's not something I can just turn on. I don't even know what I'm looking for. Remy said you needed to keep an open mind in order for the procedure to work. Well, he told me I need to get into the same mental state you experienced on the trip. Maybe we should try talking about how you were feeling at the time. All you've told me so far is that there was a cute farmer who lured you to milk some cows. To be honest, this still seems like a hoax. Don't say that. You're always so quick to distrust everything. Well, I'm sorry, but memory transfer still sounds like something out of a science fiction movie. And I Oh, st- and self-driving cars don't? Or what about satellites and GPS maps? Or your thingamajig? She gestures at my pocket with the tip of her vape before taking a long drag from it, which I'm not sure is even allowed inside the restaurant. Any new invention sounds impossible until it becomes a part of everyday life. Did you read that on Dr. Novik's brochure? Her mouth flattens with annoyance. What do you have against Remy? If you didn't want to do this study, why'd you agree to it? 
I didn't say I didn't want to do this study. I rub my eyes. My heart is pounding like it always does when I get into an argument with my mother. Just, you have to admit, you tend to jump into stuff like this without doing the research first. And you idealize things, and you can really- What's wrong with wanting to believe the best of people? Nothing, if you're fine with being taken advantage of. I'd rather be taken advantage of than spend my whole life paranoid that everybody's out to get me. Cassie knocks back more margarita. Being realistic is hardly the same thing as being paranoid. But seriously, you really think everyone is going to be jumping to inherit their parents' memories in a few years? You did. She narrows her eyes at me. Casting judgment against yourself now, Miss High and Mighty. Have you wondered why I wanted to do this? I curl my fists under the table. That's it. I suddenly feel at the end of my rope. Most mothers have conversations with their kids, you know. Talk to them about their family history. Tell stories about the past. They don't make their daughters sign up for some weird, dangerous new medical experiment just to get answers. I've told you stories. Are you serious? This is about your father, isn't it? Her face clouds over. Why are you so determined to find him? Why am I not enough for you? My stomach tenses. Though I want to address the issue with my father, I'm not sure talking it over while she's two XL Margs deep is the best idea. What about this road trip? If it was one of your favorite memories ever, why hadn't I heard about it before we agreed to this study? You were a bit young to talk about running away from home. I didn't want you getting any bright ideas. Oh, because everything about me just screams runaway. Like I would have dared. Who would have taken care of you? Cassie looks like she's been slapped. Before she can respond, the waiter appears with a fresh margarita. She grabs it greedily. I never asked you to take care of me. You're my child, not the other way around. You could act like it once in a while, I think, but don't say. The check, too, before this one drinks us both under the table. That earns me a glare from her, but a relieved nod from the bartender. Cassie takes three long sips of her drink before she speaks again. I'm sorry you didn't know about this trip before now, but I'm glad you're going to see it. You'll see how free I felt, how liberated. She pauses. Growing up under your grandparents' thumb, it wasn't easy. And then came your father. For a while, he was the one good thing in my life. When things didn't work out, I hold my breath. This is more detail than I've ever gotten. My father wasn't just some brief fling. He was someone she'd loved. Someone who loved her too? This trip was the first time I got to choose for myself. Where I was going, what I wanted to do, who I wanted to spend time with. It was the one time I truly felt. She stretches her hand out, palm up, fingers spread. Happy. Do you even realize how that sounds? I don't realize why I'm angry until I say it aloud. You gave birth to me after this trip. And if that trip was the only time you were happy, it means what? You were miserable for the rest of your life with me? Cassie blinks hard, taken aback. But she doesn't refute what I've said. I set a few bills on the counter, grossly over-tipping. 
Keep the change. Then I slide off my seat and shrug on my jacket. Cassie scrambles up too. Alex, wait, come on. You're twisting things again. I beeline toward the exit and RVW. All I want is to climb inside the bus, put on my noise-canceling headphones, and drown Cassie out entirely. Alex. I whirl around. I keep wondering why you want to share this with me now. Was this the point? For you to tell me you regret having me? Of course not. She reaches for me, but I twist away. I'm so proud of you. You're so smart and talented. Uh, That's not what I asked. If you could go back in time, would you still choose me? That's not... Cassie sways, but I don't offer her an arm for balance. Let her fall if she's that drunk. Al, that's not what I'm trying to... Yes or no? I would choose you. You were a big part of this road trip, too. When I felt like anything could happen... Maybe that's because some part of me already knew who was in there. Who you'd become. I pause, surprised. Cassie reaches for my hand. After a tentative moment, I let her take it. That's why I'm doing this now. I haven't always been the best mother. Tears shine in her eyes. I'm sorry. I thought this could finally be a corner we turn. Guilt gnaws at my stomach. Jesus. Maybe I've been awful. And I hate to see her cry. Hey, stop. It's okay. No, it's not okay. It's really not. We stand like that for a moment in silence, just looking at each other, as I try to absorb what she just said. Thank you for saying that. And then, right before my eyes, everything shifts. My mother's face shimmers and changes. I'm not looking at her anymore, but at a young man with dark hair and a faint five o'clock shadow. He's holding my hand, smiling a sweet little half smile that I know is his secret smile, the one he only ever gives me. Me, as in Cassie, I realize. A memory. His face is a little blurry, dreamlike. I can't make out all the details, just tan skin and eyes that are like gray storm clouds. Behind him, the sun is setting over a sprawling ranch-style diner. A faint breeze tickles my cheeks. The air smells like spices and roasting meat. Mama Maria reads the sign in peeling red paint. Beside us is a Volkswagen bus, but not the lime green one we rented. It's baby blue with a dent in the fender and a pair of fuzzy pink dice dangling from the rearview mirror. There are two adults inside the van, a brown-skinned woman and a white man, their voices raised in song. But like the man next to me, their faces are all hazy too, indistinct. An indie rock song plays on the radio, sounding vintage yet familiar. I've always been terrible at remembering band names. A little girl in the back seat dances along to the music, dozens of braids bouncing. I lean toward the young man, about to say something, when the sudden screech of tires ruptures the moment. I scream and jerk away. Back to reality. 
Cassie stands beside me in the twilight, her hand still extended. She looks worried. Are you all right? No. I wave a hand, frustrated. But I might have just seen your road trip. People were listening to music in a blue VW. You were in a Mama Maria parking lot. Mama Maria, yes. Yes, Alex, you're remembering. It's working. Still, my heart continues to race. What about the other person in the memory? The man? I squeeze my eyes shut to hold on to the image of him holding my hand. No, holding my mother's hand. The way he looked at her, the way he was smiling. Who was the guy with you? Was it the boy from the farm? She rubs at her chin. We left the boys behind. It was just me and a young family. What was the mother's name? Nina, Mina. She had the sweetest daughter. Her husband called the girl Peaches. They were just so adorable. Maybe it was Nina's husband I saw? But no, that doesn't seem right. There were two men, one in the van and one with me. There was another person, a man, dark hair, holding hands with you. Cassie shakes her head. No, you must be misremembering. But hey, it's starting to work. <laughs> this is amazing. Cassie climbs into the bus, but I linger outside. Yet no matter how long I stare at the parking lot, no more memories return. I'm sure of one thing, though. Whoever that man was, he loved my mother. I can't help wondering, did I just see my father? Okay, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not so sure that I would be handling this situation very well if I were Alex. I mean, it's one thing to have your mother's memories implanted inside of you, am I right? But then when you talk about those memories and you're like, there was this guy there and he was smiling and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. There was no guy there smiling. And you're like, but I saw it. And, and I'm just saying it's a very awkward moment. Anyway, I did promise you a story that would keep you on the edge of your VW bus seat, didn't I? So please join me again next time for episode three and the next stage in Alex reliving Cassie's traumatic half-forgotten memories. See you then. You've been listening to Memory Lane on Adrenaline. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. In a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging, to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real, it's intimate, and it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down, no filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.
Memory Lane is a Realm Original production, written by Sarah Shepard and Ellen Goodlett. Produced by Rhoda Belleza and Haley Wagreich. And executive produced by Molly Barton. Performed by Emily Wu Zeller, Leanne Marie Dobbs, Chris Coolia, Elliot Schiff, Cherie Wichard, Tiana Camacho, and Kaylin West. Audio produced and directed by Amanda Rose Smith. Sound design and editing by Kaylin West. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Original theme composed by Amanda Rose Smith with digital orchestration by Andrew Rowan and Max Kuttner. Music supervision by Amy Parker. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Adrenaline is produced by Mary Asadolahi and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Nicole Kreuter and Alexis Latshaw. Executive produced by Molly Barton, Julian Yap, and Marcy Wiseman. Hosted by Neil Helligers. Audio editing by Angela Yee. Original theme by Marcus Bagala. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Adrenaline by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.